0: RPN, the Roddenberry Podcast Network.
1: Biff, pow, oof! That's the comic book way to say welcome into Mission Log Live, a Roddenberry Star Trek podcast. I'm Ken Ray.
0: And I'm John Champion. Each week on Mission Log Live, you are the star. You, our Star Trek pals, call in to chat with us. your Star Trek pals about whatever's on your mind. Oh, sure. Mostly you've got Star Trek on your mind. That makes sense. We can talk about that. We can talk about your plans for the summer. We can talk about whatever you like. This week, we've got a special guest with a unique connection to Trek. He's Chase Mortz. He is an editor at IDW Publishing, a place that produces just... So much Star Trek goodness in comic book and graphical form. He's here to talk about Trek comics, crossovers, and what lies ahead.
1: Biff. Pow. Oof. That's my way of saying, join us for that, won't you? It's easy to do. You can just click the Zoom meeting link on your screen or use the one tap from your smartphone. You can dial us up the old-fashioned way. 669 is the phone number to call. 669 you do that, you enter the meeting code, then you're talking to Earl, and then in no time, uh, you're talking to us, uh, give or take a little time. We do thank you for joining us live tonight, whether it's on Facebook or on YouTube at Roddenberry Prod, or maybe you're picking up the uh, audio podcast later, or maybe you're watching the video later. Hey, however you're doing it, we're very glad that you are. We do ask a couple of things, though. Uh, wherever you're finding it, hit like, hit share, if it's a review system, you know, would four or five stars kill you? Any number of things. Because the more you do stuff like that, the more people find out about this show and then the more people are calling in and, uh, and joining us live each and every week.
0: Yeah, that's right. So you can do what Ken just asked for. You can drop us a note right now, or you can call in, or you can hit the Zoom link, talk to us, talk to Chase, talk comics, we'll talk Star Trek, no big whoop. You know, we're just talking. Uh, and in fact, I'm looking right now at the Facebook feed, and I want to say hello to the people who have said hi to us. There's Tomas, there's Karen, there's uh, Ken Ray, what? Uh, there's Chuck. There's Chris. There's, uh, Barry. What's up, Barry? There's Barbara. Oh, look, there's Laura, my travel buddy. There's Kim. There's, uh, Stephen. Boy, uh, Ken, our friends are out in force tonight. There's Paul. There's Dave. Uh, there is, uh, Vredge, There's, uh, Julianne. There's Casey. So many of our pals right there watching. We would like to say hello to you and remember it's just a short link away click on the zoom link and then look you're live talking to us like we're here in the same room but we're not you're in a different room but that's okay we'll still talk ken so much coming up in the world of mission log let's tell people where they can find us shall we how about uh, starting with comic-con at the end of july
1: I was going to say, let's go to San Diego. Uh, yeah. Thursday, the 18th, we actually... Boy, uh, the amount of planning that's gone into this, well, it was easily like uh, three, four minutes, John. Yeah. 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 Uh, we yeah. decided that we're going to get everybody together because it's fun to like bump into people at Comic-Con, but I don't know if you know, there's like a, there's like a, there's like 500 people at Comic-Con. No, oh, at 600 least. 600 people at yeah. Comic-Con. Uh, so we thought it might be better if, uh, if, if people wanted to get together, that we have a place where people can get together. So... Is this tentative or is this official?
0: Oh, well, I'm calling it official, but here's the thing. I have not uh, warned anybody at the place where I'm saying we're making this happen. So, but last year I found this place, uh, Havana, 1920, which was at 548 Fifth Avenue. And here's the thing. You go in, you go upstairs. It was quiet. It was chill. We just camp out at a table there all day long. So that is where we will be at four o'clock in the afternoon on Thursday, the 18th of July. And, uh, we're calling it a, a mission log meetup right now. So sure. yeah, surprise. yeah, surprise. We'd love it if
1: you, uh, yeah. If you came by and did that, you don't even have to call us for that one. Just come on by. Yeah. It'd be fantastic. So if you're going to be there, and then there's another panel that we're actually going to be part of later in the week. Um, I still don't think we can actually say exactly when that is or exactly where that is officially. Right. Uh, but we do know that it's happening. It'll be a panel of podcasters talking about Star Trek podcasting stuff. So, uh, Keep your ears peeled for that one, I suppose. Right. Uh, we're talking about doing a thing at the Paley Center, right?
0: Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, we're not doing a thing at the Paley Center. We're showing right. up at the Paley Center yeah. unannounced again. Oh,
1: I'm, I'm going to do a thing. You're going to do a thing? I'm going to do a thing. We could do some
0: stage time. Okay. Might
1: be, might be a number. It might okay. be something untoward. I don't know yet, but yeah. it'll be a thing, Mister. Uh, so uh, keep listening for that. And then, of course, the next place that we know that will be officially after uh, after Comic Con is Star Trek Las Vegas.
0: That's right. Yeah. So starting on July 30th, that'll be the Tuesday before the convention opens. We'll have our landing party at the Masquerade Bar, and then after that, it's five days of uh, me. And you, and everybody from the podcast network, uh, just barely holding on as we make our way through the rest of the convention, day after day, night after night. Catch us by Sunday. My voice will likely be gone. Hopefully, we've done our panel by then. Uh, so come on by the Roddenberry table. That is where it will be. In fact, our, our guest tonight probably has some stuff to say about his experience at STLV. Hopefully, he paced himself better than you or I did. Uh, but that is yeah. where we'll be at the Rio in Vegas uh, first week of August.
1: So that's all the uh, reality, reality stuff. But then we've also got the virtual reality stuff as well uh, at the Roddenberry Theater. in San Sar- Thursday night, Thursday, the 13th of June, uh, Larry Nemechek presents Stellar Cartography. John is going to be nearby, but he's not going to be actually in the theater for that event. Uh, dr track and i will be there though so i'll be there to say hey everybody and you know larry's kind of shy so i think he's (laughs) he has trouble i'm kidding Uh, i'll basically get to introduce larry and then i'll sit back for 58 minutes while he talks about stellar cartography how he got into the whole star trek universe and then mapped it so that'll be fun and then uh, thursday the 20th i'm hearing good things about this white room screening john
0: yeah, in 360 Degrees, the way it was meant to be seen. So join us there, and we'll have a special guest, Greg Aronowitz, who is not only a, uh, a special effects wizard and designer, production designer, but directed this as well. So this is a big deal. This is a movie that Roddenberry put out a few years ago, and sure, you could watch it in its flat, two-dimensional you know, camera moving to various cuts, the way the director kind of would force you to see it that way. Now you get to see it the way it was meant to be seen, which is, the action happening in 360 degrees around you. Uh, this is the kind of thing you can only really do in VR. So we're very happy to be able to present that on Thursday the 20th. Remember any of that at Sansar. You don't need a VR rig. You can actually do it in desktop mode, but you do need an account at Sansar. You can do that for free by going to Sansar.com.
1: Hey, time now for the poll before we get to our guest. And as usual, uh, this week's poll question actually has to do with our topic. So that'll be exciting. But first, let's talk about last week, shall we? Uh, last week, our poll question. So how you doing? I'm doing well, 48% of you. I could be better, 52%. See, I, as always with the poll, I just want to follow up and ask more questions. Like, okay, you could be better, but are you all right? Would be a follow-up. question. Oh, we don't yeah. have we don't have time for that because we got a new poll question for this week.
0: Yeah, this week we asked you because of our guest tonight, who uh, can tell us a thing or two about crossover stories, crossover comics. We asked you Star Wars and Star Trek crossover comic. Yeah, or in my best Darth Vader. No. Yeah, it's got thirty-three percent. No, got 67%. And uh, I'm going to side with Vader on this one.
1: Yeah, I think, well, I'm, Well, we're going to ask actually our guest here in a moment all about crossovers and things like that. Yeah. Uh, Chase Mort joins us now. Uh, Chase, forgive me. I do not have your exact title in front of me. I know you're an editor at IDW. I know you handle the Star Trek stuff. And that is the reason we have you on tonight. But let everybody know everything you do at IDW.
2: Yeah. Um, so I'm an editor at IDW. Editor is just my title. No, uh, no frills attached. Um, I edit Star Trek is my primary responsibility, um, but I also edit our Judge Dredd books when we're doing them. Um, I'm editing a Goosebumps book right now. Um, I edit uh, Gears of War. Um, and I also assist on Marvel Action Spider-Man and Marvel Action Black Panther. And there might uh-huh. be stuff I'm forgetting, but that's everything that I think I'm doing right now.
1: I was going to say not terribly busy then. You've got plenty of time to sit around and goof <laughs> yeah, off sorts. with us for an hour. Yeah,
0: no, well, that's good.
1: Um, let me ask you uh, first of all. Thank you very much. I don't think I said that part, but thank you very much for for joining us. I want to dive right in. Um, Star Trek comics have gone through a number of hands. I know I collected the DC the first year because I thought, "Ooh, this will be worth something." And of course, I don't even know where they are now. But yeah. I mean, DC, Marvel—they've been through a number of hands. How did uh, how did Star Trek end up at IDW?
2: Um. I mean, we've had the license for a really long time. I think we, we first got it pre, um, 2009. We've probably had it for, for 11 years, I'm guessing. Uh, so I was not a part okay. of the negotiations to bring it in. Um, but I, I can say that recently we published more, uh, Star Trek comic books than any other licensor who's ever had the license, which is cool. Um, but I feel like our first, major thing was we had the chance to work with jbj uh, J. abrams when they were relaunching the film we did countdown which was sort of uh, i think the way we made our big splash with our star trek comics and then for a long time the bulk of it was was kelvin universe stuff
1: that was ac that was one of the questions i was going to ask you first of all I've got the uh, Eagle Moss countdown right here, but I remember that made a splash. I mean, not only because it was new Star Trek stuff, but didn't you guys also? I want to say that was actually sold as an app. I mean, it was sold as a paper comic as well, but you guys sold that as standalone apps, didn't you? Uh,
2: Yeah, yeah. There, there was a. We did a digital push on it, um, which, you know, I think at the time was like probably pretty cool. Now it seems like it's everywhere at Comixology and, and there's so much digital sales. But yeah, I mean, 10, 10 years ago, it was was a really cool way of approaching it.
1: Yeah, that was um, my other. I do another show that is an Apple News show. So I think that's why I remember that so much. That was that was a big deal. You know, yeah that
0: time i think i mean it, this might be a really big topic and a really big question but i uh, can i know that you had this question as well since we're talking about uh direct tie-ins like countdown and then uh looking at the idw website you have stories that are new direct tie-ins like uh after season two of discovery um i'm curious kind of what the collaborative and development process is like because you've got these established franchises established stories that then you need to cooperate and coordinate with to make sure the stories dovetail very nicely. Yeah. But then you have other stories that can just exist in comic book form. Sure, they get the approval of the CBS license, but um, are, are story pitches accepted? Or are there just people on staff there who say, I'd like to see this thing happen, like the Star Wars animated crew meeting Transformers, so let's make that happen. Um, can you help us differentiate like, how those stories get developed? Yeah. Um, it's kind of a mix. So I'll, I'll kind of run down.
2: Um, so for something like our discovery series, we do, uh, there's certainly, I think a lot more challenges because there's so many moving parts right now. Um, than, say something like year five that we do where the original series has been off the air for a very long time. And so we're not having to deal with new episodes on TV that are affecting things. And we've been lucky in the discovery sense, um, that we work very closely with Kirsten Beyer and Mike Johnson um, Kirsten, who writes for Discovery um, and, and has a very good sense of where everything's going to make sure that, that as we're publishing comics, we're not contradicting anything the show is going to do or that the show has done. So there's a lot, I think, more kind of time on approvals and, and steps in the approvals process to get like a Discovery script and story approved um, versus something like a year five story where it's a little bit. Um, I don't want to say less intense because it's still important to get everything right, but it's not actively being developed. And so there's less considerations there in terms of how you fit into something that, you know, season two just ended, season three is going to come out. Like where do we fit in to make sure that, that we feel appropriate to the world, but we're not stepping on anything that they're going to put on TV.
0: Do you get to that point where you've got a story pitch, you've got an idea, and we're thinking about doing this and then say, oh, wait, maybe back off of that idea for a moment because we might have something coming up.
2: It's happened. And it's, um, you know, Mike Johnson and Kirsten Byer have written all of our Discovery Minis so far. Um, In terms of the Discovery stuff, they've got a very tight lock on it. But then um, John Van Sitters is above everything and has, I think, you know the most direct line to stuff, and so there have been occasions where, like Michael, will want to do something, and 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 John will be like, you know, maybe I can't tell you why, but maybe not yet. Or right. Kirsten will right. say that, and it's 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 certainly there's there's situations where that has happened.
0: Where where right now with. Star Trek comics, what's the most sort of robust area for development? And I, I'm trying to pick my words carefully because I don't want you to say pick a favorite or say no, no, not at all. this one's doing better than that one. I'm just curious kind of where, where are the efforts um, and, and what do you see people really getting excited and getting behind? That is a good question. Um, right
2: now, I think the, the thing we've thrown the most muscle behind in terms of development is um, And and world building is the year five series because of the fact that the original series is, yeah, it's very beloved. But also, um, you know, with TNG stuff, with Picard getting up and running, there's considerations there where you don't want to try and put a TNG story that the show, which, um, you know, hasn't premiered yet, will say something about. So it's about figuring out, you know, in terms of like the most room to move, it feels like year five is very very more open in, in that regard than, than something like TNG where you do have things that are potentially coming up and they will be canon explained in the Picard show that, you know, we don't want to contradict. So we're not really developing anything TNG right now. Um, I think you will see a broadening of our line in 2020 hmm. to incorporate some of the other shows that we haven't been able to, to touch on a lot yet. No oh. um, enterprise
0: comic book series, right? Yeah. I hmm. can neither confirm nor t- oh, stop it. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yeah, but so I, I want to ask confirm confirmor tonight, which I know you can't do. But I just, I have you. Never mind. I can't. I'm gonna ask it. I have to ask it. So everybody is everybody. thinks, things. You no, know we really need is a bike series. I'm not saying. I'm just saying. <laughs> it, I mean, when you, I want my Pike comic book. There. I'm not even asking anymore. I just want my Pike comic book. I'll <laughs> say that. Hey, 669-900-6833 is the phone number to call. You're not uh, 669-90-6833. <laughs> Or you can use the one tap from your smartphone, or uh, go to the Facebook page and and click through there. Uh, Keith has been kind enough to join us this evening. Keith, uh, say hey to uh, well say hey to John and, and to me and to, and to everybody. Why don't you? Hey,
3: Keith, what's up? John, good to talk to you. Chase, thanks for joining. Ken Ray, my brother from another mother, the only <laughs> yeah. other Apple and Star Trek guy I know in existence who podcasts about both.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's that would be it. Yeah, probably not uh, you, me. I, I, and we yeah. haven't
3: had you on the start. We haven't had you on the Trek Experts Roundtable podcast in ages. I think it was pre-discovery the last time we had you on.
1: Yeah, I'm pretty sure I upset somebody, but that's okay. <laughs> what's what's on your mind? You know, on you know, know what? Right?
3: If you're not upsetting people, you're not doing your job. See, bingo. <laughs> yeah. Well, talking about Star Trek and talking about the comics and talking about crossovers. I remember in 1984. It was after Star Trek Three: The Search for Spock had come out, but before Star Trek IV, The Voyage Home had been released in 86. And I wasn't a real big comic guy. You know, I loved superheroes, but I, was, I wasn't a comic collector. I was in either Walden Books or Barnes & Noble or B. Dalton, one of the bookstores we went to back in the day before we went to Amazon. And I saw a Star Trek comic in the rack. It was issue number nine. And it picked up right after the end of Star Trek Three: The Search for Spock, now I'm sure the comic book fans among us know that I'm leading into the Mirror Universe invasion that slots perfectly in between Star Trek Three and Star Trek Four issues nine through sixteen of the DC Star Trek. And what was neat was that Kirk got command of the Excelsior at the end of that. Spock got command of the science vessel USS Serac. And at the end of all the adventures they had, Spock's entire crew gets killed. His mind is unraveling from some virus. And it puts him exactly in the state that we find him at the beginning of Star Trek For The Voyage Home. And I feel like we would have been so much better off had we gotten that as Star Trek Four, And then Star Trek... For The Voyage Home could have been Star Trek V, The Voyage Home. And then Star Trek V, Let's Find Jesus could never have been made.
0: Uh, wait, uh, first of all, I think you mean Star Trek <laughs> V, The One with the Whales. I think that's the There you title. go now. Sure. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: They weren't looking for Jesus. They were looking for God, man. <laughs>
3: <laughs> it's the like truth. You know, that's a, let's put it this way, Ken. Star Trek V is only made a good Star Trek movie by the existence of Star Trek Nemesis.
1: Uh, th- I I hang up on him. <laughs>
3: cut the lines, cut the lines.
1: <laughs> I'm I'm going to get to the mainframe and cut the hard line there. <laughs> hey, so uh, not to be. Uh, did you have a question for Chase?
3: I I did. I I wanted to know. Um, are they doing any newer um, Mirror Universe stuff beyond oh. what's already been done with the um, next gen? facing off against their mirror universe counterparts last year. Do I have that? Which which, which, which was great, by the way. Thank you. Um, So, yeah, technically, uh, the IDW mirror universe stuff,
2: we've done a trilogy of it so far. We did uh, Mirror Broken, which was the first one we did, Through the Mirror, Where They Faced Off. And then uh, Terra Incognita was also um, a mirror universe book, kind of. It's where Mirror Barclay has escaped into the prime universe and has taken over. Barclay's life and is doing better at it than him. It's, it's, it's very sad for poor Reginald Barclay. Um, but I think, yeah, there's, there's, there's definitely interest. Um, it's about figuring out where to slot it and, and what that next story is going to be, because it, it you know, that last series definitely did end on a minor cliffhanger. And so I think, you know, the plan was to always revisit it at some point.
3: You know what I'd love to see? The one thing that we never got in Star Trek discovery season one was finding out what happened When Mirror Sylvia Tilly brought the ISS Discovery into the Prime Universe or when it wound up switching places with the USS Discovery, I always wanted to find out what happened while she was here. And all we find out was when our crew returns. Oh, they found the debris of the ship. We thought that was your ship. You know, I want want, want to know what what happened to her. I want to know what did she try to do when she got to the Prime Universe? I
2: think that's a great story. I'd love to tell that story. I think, um, you know, we did and that was our, our Mirror disc book, and I really loved that a lot. Because um, I think those characters are also scary and written. And, and I the session issue four was um, Star Trek Disco comics we've done so far, and I would definitely
0: love to play around more with those characters. Yeah, I'd love to see how vicious you
3: can make Killy. She's
0: somewhere oh, yeah. hanging out with Prime Lorca, though. You Probably, know? <laughs> yeah. Prime Lorca, who's just uh, just a regular guy. Just a, just a good guy. Maybe doing some stand-up work on Risa. We don't know. Um, Matt, Keith, thank you so much for calling in tonight. Any, uh, any last thoughts here? Any uh, last comments for Chase or uh, about the, the world of Star Trek comics?
3: Keep on keeping on. Keep thank on you. checking. Thanks for reading. Oh, definitely.
1: Thanks a lot, Keith.
3: Live long and prosper.
1: is the phone number to call, 669-900-6833. Or you can use the one tap from your smartphone. Or if you're on our Facebook page, you can click it right there. Then you'll talk to Earl and he'll put you on with us. Um, This actually kind of ties in with, uh, with with the question that Keith brought up. Continuing missions, definitely something that IDW does, but you also do... Like some, I don't want to say filling in the gaps, but I will. Filling in the gaps with series like, you know, year four and year five. And then there are sort of interesting historical titles as well. Like you guys did Harlan Ellison's uh, version of City on the Edge of Forever, didn't you?
2: We did. Yeah, that's right.
1: Yeah. Talk to me about, I mean, like every one of those raises questions for me. Like, are people more interested in the filling in the gaps thing? Do you guys prefer to do the filling in the gaps? Or do you like to sort of, you know, head off into completely new directions of your own? And you know, then like those historical nuggets, like Harlan Ellison's thing, or you guys did not do uh, the Planet of the Apes thing that Dana Gould was part of. But when you come across things like that, like wow, nobody's told this story. We can. I mean, just I know I haven't asked a question, but all of that oh, is yeah. just so fascinating to me. Like, like which which area do you personally prefer to play in, and then which area seems to uh, seems to really um, like jazz the readership?
0: It's it's kind
2: of different editorial muscles to flex with the filling in the gap stuff. Um, there's a lot of challenges that kind of boldly going into new stuff doesn't have because you have to make sure that when you're filling in the gaps, you're connecting them right. And so there's a lot of planning and, and double checking and working that goes in to make sure that you are not inadvertently conflicting with something that, that is canon and that people are going to call you out on because Star Trek fans are very detail oriented. Uh, they're very knowledgeable and, uh, they, they will notice that stuff if you get something really glaringly wrong. And so we try and put in a lot of effort in those fill in the gap stories to make sure that we're really doing the characters in the timeline, right. While also, you know, being able to kind of spread our wings and, you know, work among everything that's out there. Um, when it comes to doing new stuff, that's really fun, but I, I don't know, I find something really satisfying about those filling in the gap stories and and fleshing out like what's there and then discussing moments that people may have questions about. Um, it's why I really like doing a lot of the shorts in our waypoint series, because it feels like those little 10 pages get to fill in a lot of gaps. Um, they kind of just expand on a cool thing that maybe isn't going to be filmed or, or never was planned to be filmed, but still really resonates because people also have yeah, you know, their viewpoints, their thoughts, informed by the stories that they loved when they saw them on the air, and so I think that fandom absolutely responds to, to some of those fill-in-the-gap stories, as, as you might call them.
1: And then, what about like a, a historical find or a, a like a pitch, like City on the Edge of Forever, or maybe some story that you know people know exists but they've never actually heard the story before? Right.
2: Um, I mean, City on the Edge of Forever continues to be. Yeah, you know, I think one of our most beloved Trek books, um, Harlan was such a talent, and being able to kind of take his vision because I know that, you know, he didn't he didn't think what aired was maybe necessarily what he would have preferred to air, and so getting getting to put that out in an officially licensed Trek comic is, is really cool to do to see that come to life. Um, it feels like, you know, finds like that are, are definitely worth worth putting out there. Um, but I I kind of. I kind of look at those in a different way than I look in something like a filling in the gap story because that feels like I don't want, I don't want to and, and this is not an insult at all but it feels more like an auxiliary tale or, or something that's told kind of alongside Star Trek and an alternate look at what might have happened as opposed to contributing to like the overall universe and fleshing it out and making it bigger.
0: So, uh, by the way, the, the C word has come up now a couple of times. Uh, yeah, they know that it's uh, you know, a difficult word for me to take. But uh, our friend Robert here in the chat, he just says, um, the Star Trek universe provides a vast sandbox for writers to play with. The danger lurks with the canon landmines. How do you decide to adhere closely to canon? And when do you feel free enough to diverge? The the the
2: way I personally keep my sanity is I consider hard canon to be everything that was on the TV shows and in the movie, um, and things like, you know, the the DC comics, the other comics, um, some of the computer games, the novelizations. If there's stuff in there that feels like it fits really well, like we don't obviously want to trample over everything, but if there's something in there that perhaps conflicts with the way we prevent we presented something, I'm not going to lay awake nights worrying about that as I would if we went up against something on the television show or in the movies, which I consider to be hard canon.
0: Right. (laughs) Got it. So there's,
2: there's, I don't want to say there's two canons, but yeah, I think like in my mind, I've kind of divided into a hard canon and a soft canon. And then the hard canon is the law and the the soft canon you want to respect, but but you have to have the freedom to be able to, to tell new stories, especially with a, you know, a universe that has been going on for half a century. Um, and that has had so much storytelling inside
0: of it. Man, can, Now I have all these to deal with. There, there's, there's cannon. There's head cannon. Now there's hard cannon and soft cannon. I don't. I don't know that I can. Uh, that I can take it. Gonna there's going
1: to be. There's t-shirt cannons. There's also yeah, that to deal cannons. with. Yeah. Which yeah. I'm pretty sure isn't actually a thing that we have to deal with here. Yeah. Um We're not Mod um, Flanders. i'm curious so i've got this stack of of comics that i've come uh, across here i mean some of them actually have been uh, given to me by people others of them are things that i've gone out and sought myself what's interesting is you talk about something like the um like harlan ellison sitting on the edge of forever and then which has uh for the people who can't see what i'm holding up now because i'm holding it up i mean this is gorgeous artwork it reminds me of um it reminds me a bit of some of the Alex Ross stuff. I don't know it it's it's got a it's got a very illustrative feel to it. Not like a comic book necessarily, but more right. like uh like gouache or or paintings that somebody has done and then put bl- board balloons over. And that's not to denigrate in any way. It's a, it's, a, it's a very different kind of thing. You jump over to something like um, like Countdown, it's got more of a comic book style that we're all used to. And then you jump to something like uh, Starfleet Academy and it's, it's, it's very different. The, the illustrations yeah. on each of these titles are very different. I'm curious, how do you pick the artist to tell a certain story? Like Starfleet Academy has sort of a younger look, but it's about a younger crew. So it yeah. kind of makes sense that you would go that way. Harlan Ellison's, I mean, that City that on the edge thing is just so steeped in lore, you almost want Norman Rockwell illustrating the whole thing. How do you go about choosing the 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 style of art that's going to be in, a, in an individual story? Or does that stretch across whole titles? Uh, talk to me about uh, marrying those two.
2: Yeah, um, I think you you kind of hit the nail on the head where you want to let the tone of the story dictate the visual element of the story. Um, kind of because Starfleet Academy is, is aimed at, you know, it's telling the story of a younger crew. And, and we're also looking to attract younger readers. Um, we wanted to find artists that kind of work in that style uh, to give it a visual flair that, that mimics some of the content of the story likewise with sitting on the edge of forever um that is gwash that's jk woodward uh that is his medium um it's it's very cinematic and you you want it to look i think more realistic than perhaps something like starfleet academy which is a little more cartoony and give it more of a classic kind of style apart from what you'd see in normal comics because it's not necessarily like your normal monthly comic it is kind of a cool project that that's meant to be viewed i think in a, in a different format than than like a monthly floppy. Um, and I, I love both art styles. Um, take something like year five. Um, and we have Stephen Thompson doing the first arc. We have, uh, Martin Cocolo doing the second arc. Um, they are both tend to be more realistic, um, but also still have kind of a traditional cartoony, not cartoony style, but like it's colored like traditional comics. And, and that was chosen because I think the original series, we wanted to try and present something that felt kind of like watching an episode of tv but also in comic form and so you you just look for artists who kind of render the characters in accordance with the mood of the story
0: cool hey uh we've got some more questions and we have a uh, caller standing by Scott will be with you in just a second but uh ken let's take a a moment here for a little more business it is the bottom of the hour and uh, something that i wanted to mention that we did not cover at the top of the show tonight Time to remind you all about our fundraiser for Scott Palm and the heroic curriculum that will continue. So yes, the heroic curriculum. This is developed by Scott and the Pop Culture Hero Coalition. You may have heard about that. That is an organization that Chase Masterson has spearheaded. She is a friend of ours and a friend of Scott's, and uh, we are happy to have met Scott and got to know the work that he does. So the curriculum has two goals. Number one, teaching children with serious physical disabilities, values like resilience, healthy identity, breaking barriers, and other crucial mental health and life skills. The other part of this curriculum is about teaching the peers of those children who have disabilities, teaching them the values of inclusion, ending marginalization, and being an ally. Now, we've been running this fundraiser for a little while. We are more than halfway there with our first goal. We want to keep this going during the summer, definitely until we meet our first goal. And here's why. October is Bullying Prevention Month. So if we reach our first goal, and like I said, we're more than halfway there, then Scott's program can start at the beginning of the school year and run for a full six months. He does great work. The coalition does great work. And this work is not the easiest thing in the world to do because of Scott's cerebral palsy, which is why the Roddenberry Foundation is joining with you to help Scott help the world. So go to our Facebook page, facebook.com slash mission log pod, there you will see a link for the fundraiser. Every dollar that you give will be matched by the Roddenberry Foundation. So you'll be contributing to something that truly embraces the values of Star Trek put into action. And remember, the Roddenberry Foundation doubles your donation. Facebook.com slash Mission Pod. Look for the post, make a donation, or look, even if you can't make a donation, just share the post. We'd appreciate that too. And it might even make the world a better place.
1: Yeah, hit like, hit share. You know all that stuff I said about sharing our show earlier. If you if you've only got one share in you make it that one, don't don't bother with us cuz we'll be fine. And Scott's doing Scott's doing important stuff. 669-900-6833 is the phone number to call. 669-900-6833 or you can use the one tap from your smartphone or if you're on our Facebook page looking for that Scott Palm link, you can just click the link right there and be on with us as well. Uh, another Scott not Scott Palm, but a different Scott joins us now uh, with a question. Good evening, Scott.
4: Good evening, guys. Thank you for taking my call. Hey, don't, welcome, other Scott.
1: Don't nice fall God. asleep during this call. Don't fall asleep <laughs> during this call.
4: I promise, Ken, you keep me up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, hey, on t- just got personal.
1: <laughs> hey, sorry everybody knocking. My mom is still probably what's, <laughs> what's on your mind tonight, sir?
4: Um, well, we're, we've been talking about the Guardian of Forever, which is an awesome uh show and chase i'm a fan of your work i I love what you're doing and the stories that you're telling keep up the good work by the way um i would want to add that i think we should put in ken and john's podcast on this side of paradise i thoroughly enjoy (laughs) many 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 times that podcast so so wait
0: you mean the the comic book form of us doing the, yes. uh, uh, okay, good. And then what you would have to do, you'd have to do the follow-up comic. That would be the interview with uh, Scott Mance, the interview with Mark Altman. Uh, you'd have to do the uh, double extended version, the giant comic that is all the email we got after that.
4: And continue. And can we have a centerfold with Ken?
1: Just: yes. like, Yeah. Just and all the bottles surrounding me after that. I'll tell you honestly, the, <laughs> they, the title I was thinking of pitching to him, and forgive me, Chase, because I didn't know we were going to do. This. <laughs> <laughs> no worries. Uh, um, uh, it, it's uh, so picture it. You're you're way down in the bottom of the Enterprise D, where two people are peeling potatoes now. I know it sounds boring. <laughs> that's, that's pretty much all I've gotten so far, but I think, I think that's not going anywhere anytime soon.
2: I think it's a hit. Oh,
1: well, thank you. You, you and I, you lie. and at least 50 mission log listeners agree, maybe even 55. Uh, Scott, did you have another question? A, a, a real question. <laughs> no, or, or are you yeah. just pitching our title?
4: Uh well, besides pitching your title, I do have one quick I guess it would speak to the future of Star Trek. I know we're talking about tie-ins and dovetailing episodes and such, but and and I hope no one takes offense, but do you think as far as the future of Star Trek is concerned, can we recreate the magic? Say, you know, moving on, we're talking about year five, we're talking about TOS running that original show and, and all this. Do you think in the future we can Recreate the magic with the crew, not necessarily Picard, not necessarily Kirk, but recreate the magic with a, with a, with a crew again and, and keep this future going. Talking, I'm talking past, you know, discovery or, or any of that. Do you think that we can recreate that magic again? Hold to Gene's uh, vision and still keep that kind of pure for a future generation. Do you think that's possible to do that again? Or should we, are we going to have to, and I don't mean this in a bad way, continue to revisit Picard or continue to revisit Kirk years down the road?
2: Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I personally am very optimistic that it's possible. Um, I think that one of the most appealing things about Star Trek for me is the philosophy of Star Trek and sort of this dream of this utopian future. Um, that, you know, still has conflict in it, but, but there's these guiding principles that we can be better. And I, I think that those are very universal. And I think that there's a lot of interesting stories to tell, keeping Gene's vision in mind. Um, I, you know, I haven't seen any of the upcoming shows and projects, so I, I, I can't speak to the content of any of them, but I know that there's a lot of cool stuff in the works that's going to reach out to a lot of different Viewers and different generations of viewers um, to kind of recreate some of that magic, and I think make the big tent of Star Trek even bigger. So, so I'm, I'm certainly optimistic.
1: Yeah, that actually uh, Scott brings up a point that I was going to ask you about as well. I mean, when I look through all of these books sitting right here next to me, and of course you've got tons more than I'll ever own. Um, I mean, they're obviously Star Trek because they have deltas, and hey, that guy looks like Chris Pine, and hey, that guy looks like you know William Shatner. They're Star Trek, but talk to me about that. Talk to me about that that gene vision, that IDIC idea. I mean, all of those things that, that, you know, kept people coming back for 40, 45 years until the new movies rebooted. Sure. Um, talk to me about like that. How much does the philosophy of Star Trek uh, figure into the titles that you guys produced?
2: I think it's at the core of them. Um, just kind of when starting a new title and starting a new pitch, we're very conscious of the fact that, we don't want to publish stories that feel like they are generic science fiction stories featuring Star Trek characters. Um, We try and see like, where does it come in where, where do some of these guiding principles take the story and, and how are they being utilized? Um, So I think in order to make a Star Trek story feel like a Star Trek story, you need to keep that at the forefront of your mind because it feels like you know, you could probably have a satisfying comic book by plugging different crews into a lot of different sci-fi situations. But unless there's something there that makes it feel like Star Trek, um, you know, I think it comes across as inauthentic and that's not going to resonate with the fan base.
0: Hey, Scott, thanks for uh, calling in tonight. Pleasure to see you again. Uh, Thank any, you, guys. Any Thank last uh, question or comment there?
4: No, no. I'll still go to bed with you guys. Thank you for taking my pleasure. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Take it easy, Scott. We'll see you next time. OK.
4: Bye-bye. It's a, it's a party in here, man.
0: I, yes. You see what you got yourself into? Hey, so, um, um, I, I, I want to take this uh, this question back because uh, uh, between Scott's pitch and then uh, Ken's pitch for uh, the guys peeling potatoes and uh, all the great pitches you've heard tonight, uh, that one being obviously the most important one. Um, <laughs> I, I do want to go back to this idea just from the, from the beginning as we, we kind of pass by it. How are these stories developed? Do you have an in-house team? Do you accept outside solicitations? Um, if, what What is the the development like here versus, say, you know, on a TV show or the way that would happen? So
2: it's um, I'm trying to figure out a good way to break down the process. We don't have like an in-house team per se. Uh, we do have. It's kind of it's kind of in two directions right now. We have. Um, a lot of creators we work with for a while who we know deliver good stories and know the materials um, like David and Scott Tipton have written a lot of our star Trek books. Um, they wrote *Mirror broken, which is fantastic. They're writing Q conflict right now, which has been great. Um, seeing all four captains together, we have Mike Johnson and Kirsten Beyer who do all of the discovery stuff. Um, and then we have, uh, people who haven't necessarily worked in our star Trek before. Um, you know, Jackson Lansing, Colin Kelly coming in and writing the first couple of issues of year five and show running that. Um, but they they did their first story in Waypoint. And so essentially what happens is we don't take blind solicitations. What we will do is we will kind of keep our eye on who's writing right now, see who we like, um, kind of get in touch with them and, and be like, you know, are you a Star Trek fan? Is this something you want to work on? And... For a while, like Waypoint was kind of a way we'd test people out. Um, so Jack and Colin had their premiere in Waypoints. Um, Brandon Easton had a story in Waypoints. Uh, Jody Hauser, who's going to be writing issues five and six of year five had pitched on Waypoints. Um, we didn't get a story made out of that, but we really liked her work and we're familiar with her because she's done good work for IDW. And so the way a story is developed is we will generally reach out a few writers who we want to work with for various reasons either we like their other work or they've done good work for us before uh we'll get some pitches together we'll send those over to cbs and we'll work with them to determine which direction they want to go in um and that's that can be if it's somebody they've been working with for a really long time like mike johnson can send in a couple paragraphs about what he wants to do and mike johnson has written you know like probably over a hundred issues of Star Trek. They they know that he's going to deliver in a way that makes them happy. Um, if it's a newer writer, that pitch document can be a little longer. I think um, Jack and Collins' year five proposal was like 12 pages long, uh, kind of breaking down in great detail, what they wanted to do, why the franchise was important to them and, and showing that they kind of knew their stuff when it came to, to where things went on the show and, and how we could fit in between where it ended and where the movie begins. Um, and then we'll kind of go from there and develop a script and, and, and bring on an artist depending on what the story is. And uh, that's kind of where the Genesis is.
0: We have uh John Arminio friend of the show popping in to say, anyone want to hire me to write a Dixon Hill mystery series? So uh, he's just throwing that out there too.
1: All right. I have a question. Um, well, it, it, this goes outside of the star Trek thing. And maybe this is where I should have started, honestly, because like my, like my comic book, growing up was uh, the dark Knight returns. Oh, me too. Okay. I, I was going to ask what was yours. I mean, it's, it's the dark Knight returns and then a little bit of teenage mutant Ninja turtles, but before right. like, like back when it was Eastman and Laird, um, but you've answered the question now. So never mind. <laughs> 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 yeah, yeah. I do have another question though. There's um, I have friends who play star Trek online and, and there was one story in particular and I can't remember which one it was. There was one story in particular that made them cry. There are episodes of Star Trek that will wreck me, and you know I mean that in a good way, not just like yeah, that was. Terrible. Yeah, no. You know, no but like no. Yeah, there are episodes of Star Trek that'll just wreck me. Have there been? Is there? And and obviously you can't pick your favorite kid, but I mean, is there is there a title that you've done or an arc that you've you know been a part of that you're like, yeah, that's that's the that's we're going for the Emmy on this one, or we're going for the Oscar or whichever. I mean we're I mean that's that's the that's the the heartstring uh, issue or series.
2: Sure. Um, I think we have some moments like that kind of coming up in year five that we're we're really hoping to lean into, especially by issue 12. In terms of things that I have worked on specifically that we've done so far, the two that spring to mind are, um, and they're both Waypoint shorts. I, you can tell I have a soft spot in my heart for Waypoint. Um, we did the first year, which was written by Tom Zoller, drawn by Andy Price, uh, that kind of picked up with Esri Dax and Worf, um, kind of just hanging out together a year after uh Jezia had died and i thought that was a very kind of emotionally resonant story that dealt with kind of mourning and loss and and really hit me in a place um just from you know being a married person and thinking what would that be like to lose a spouse and, and how do you kind of pick up the pieces afterwards and what would that do to your life and i thought tom did a great job in 10 pages of, of really getting inside of like the, the weird relationship that both those characters have because esri you know has the dax now like as so, there's a lot of baggage to impact there. And then um, my human is not by Jackson Lansing and Colin Kelly, which is a story told from the perspective of spot data's cat. <laughs> as, as a ca- and it sounds, it sounds silly, but like by the end, like I, I teared up, especially uh sunny Lou drew it. It looks incredible, but it's, it's a very, just as a pet owner myself. And I think that's what, you know, stories that, that, that it's like, Oh, I, I feel like that too. And so that's what kind of grabs me emotionally, but my human is not did a very good job of, of communicating. Like, I think like the love of an animal to, I mean, not a human, but you know, a very human like Android in, in a way that, that really kind of like broke my heart.
0: Wow. Yeah. All right. Because, like I, uh, I,
2: I was fully expecting to get nominated for the Eisner for that one as, as an editor and then I will never forgive ever. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that was a joke. I'll I'll forgive that. Six six nine nine
1: hundred-six eight three three is the phone number to call. Six six nine nine hundred-six eight three three, or you can use the one tap from your smartphone, or if you're on the Facebook page, Facebook.com slash mission log pod, uh certainly you can hit us up there as well. We started off talking about the uh, crossovers and joking about the uh, Star Trek, Star Wars crossover that, I mean, honestly seems to divide the planet. I know some people <laughs> who think that would be the coolest thing ever. And I would like to tell all those people why they're wrong. Uh, <laughs> we I don't have that you. kind yeah. of time tonight. Yeah. Uh, I do want to talk about some of the crossovers, though, especially because and this is an, I, I wish I had this one in front of me because I would love to show it to people. You've done a Star Trek Transformers crossover, yes. but you haven't done a Star Trek Transformers crossover. You've done a Star Trek The Animated Series Transformers crossover. I mean, you see that drawing of Kirk and Spock and McCoy, and and there's no question. Of course, Morass is standing right there with them. Right. But I mean, there's no question. This is not somebody trying to draw, um, you know, TOS. This is somebody drawing the animated series characters. Uh, talk to me about. Like if somebody comes to you and says, so we've got this idea, not something dumb like peeling potatoes, but Transformers, Star Trek, how, how did that happen? And then they go, well, now hold on, because it's actually going to be the oft overlooked animated series as well. That's, yeah. That whole thing just reeks of. Okay.
2: So, so the, the, the genesis of that idea was actually, um, started with a uh, Sarah Gatos who edited the Trek books before I did, I actually started as her assistant, um, back when this was all kind of being worked out and it came from, um, you know, Mike Johnson and and John Barber who wrote, you know, pretty much the last, like just huge run of Transformers comics that IDW did. And also happens to be um, my boss at IDW. Uh, They wanted to work together and it it felt like, you know, Mike has written so much Star Trek. John has written so much Transformers. um, that That would be a cool crossover to do because we have both of those licenses. And it's it's easier to coordinate an intercompany crossover than a two company crossover, and we get to keep all the money. Um, <laughs> but no, I think um, so. So that was kind of the genesis of it that it'd be a cool idea, and it, it felt like something. The animated series felt like a right place for both of it because Transformers was a cartoon initially. Well, it was a toy and then a cartoon, and and it felt like it would fit good with the animated series. And I think that that made cbs happier that it will be animated series too because we're not trying to shoehorn in something as kind of off the wall of the transformers into you know one of the live action properties and the fact that the cartoon was allowed to be a little sillier you were allowed to have like mores and you were allowed to kind of go some of these weird cartoony places and it already had that very cool animated style i think made the project come together in a way that it couldn't have had we tried to do some of the other iterations of track
0: I mean, crossovers seem to be kind of a trend right now. Anyway, uh, you guys have done uh, Star Trek Green Lantern, uh, sure. Star Trek Transformers. Um, wh- wh- which one am I leaving out here?
1: Uh, the Primate Directive.
0: Oh, Primate Directive. Primate of, course. directive of course. Yeah, which yeah. I, is just super cool. Um,
1: I'm sorry. I need to just for the people who can't yeah. for the people who can see it. I'm talking so that the camera will switch to me. It's And for people who can't see it because of the audio thing. Uh, is that general? um It's not Ursus, but it's it's one of the guerrilla generals holding just a ripped up uh, uh, Kirk um, uniform shirt. It is is exactly what it sounds like. You will see shirtless Kirk. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> and if that's not a big enough draw to pick up that comic, I don't know what that is. That's uh, a quote for the
2: cover of our next printing, as far as I'm concerned.
0: Yeah, there you go. There you go. <laughs> well, and there was somebody already saying, oh, how about a Star Trek Doctor Who crossover? And, and I'm just wondering, you know, they, there have to be some that, that you have the idea for and you just go, no, that that's bananas. That's crazy. We're not going to do Star Trek meets my little pony or Star Trek meets whatever but some of these you just go oh well, wait a minute let's let's hold on to that let's maybe save that idea and we'll get to it what I'm asking is what insane thing either have you dropped or maybe you're gonna come back to oh Lord um
2: I'm sure there's probably like a lot of art. like I've Essentially, my my tenure began October of last year, so I personally have not had uh, the chance to do too many crossovers yet um, of my own creation. Um, I feel like what's important about a crossover is that, and CBS is very adamant about this, it can't feel like just something we want to do because it's crazy. It has to feel like something that when it's created will be thematically appropriate to Trek. And so... You know, something like Trek Transformers seems crazy at first until you say the animated series, and then it seems like that has legs. Um, it feels like there's a lot of stuff banding about, but I don't want to. I don't want to say too much about it in case we do get to go back to one of them and then announce it.
0: Sure. Yeah. Absolutely.
2: But, but it, it needs to be. It needs to thematically work, and it can't just feel like, "Wow, wouldn't it be wacky if like you know we did Star Trek Dungeons and Dragons or or, or something along those yeah. lines." I saw the
1: Magics of Magus too.
0: (laughs) They already did it. Yeah, the animated series. Yeah,
1: yeah, you're pretty close on that. Actually, I was going to say Scooby Doo actually really set the precedent for this. You could have Jerry Reed on the Enterprise, or of Mm -hmm. course the Harlem Globetrotters. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. There, there you go. go yeah
0: well see carlos is mentioning trek meets batman 66 now i was a big fan of the man from uncle meets batman 66 they did a four-part crossover there in comic book form which was really cool they they complemented each other very well um so i'm not uh i'm not opposed not opposed to the idea of it's the right story i wouldn't be mad at it yeah see yeah. Uh, well, and then Robert says uh, Star Trek Lost in Space crossover, the battle to end all battles. I know you're being facetious, but, uh, you know. We could
2: do like a, a Gold Key Lost in Space, Gold Key Star Trek crossover.
0: Oh, uh, see, there you go. Or, oh, here you go. If you're talking Gold Key, Star Trek meets Voyage of the Bottom of the Sea. There you go. Those shows were thematically a little more on the same level, so, uh Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, the gold key, we so off the wall that I, we could pretty much do anything. You <laughs> should <laughs> do whatever you want. I think, Yeah, tell me about getting the uh, gold key stuff, because I, I was surprised to see that on the IDW website. I love the art in the uh, gold key comics, and I, I'm glad whenever there's sort of a revival of those. Yeah. Was that just sort of along for the ride? Like you guys have the Star Trek license, the gold key materials are available. Let's do this. Or, or what, uh, what kind of brought that up?
2: one of the things I really like about IDW is there is a company priority of, of republishing and preserving old comics in a way that is easily accessible and pleasant to look at. And so we've done uh, the Star Trek gold key stuff, but we also did, I think um, the first major collection of the Star Trek newspaper strips. Mm -hmm. Uh, We did a two volume card for series of those Um, we've done the Bloom County hardcovers. We're releasing for better or worse hardcovers. We have like 26, 27 volumes of Dick Tracy strips that, that they have a redesigned cover and they're published in, in a collection. And so that's long been kind of a, a company directive at IDW's in addition to making new comics, um, kind of take comics that people might not, you know, have easy access to and, and present them in a way that the fans who might not have seen them before are able to get their hands on in an attractive package that looks good on the shelf. So
0: Nice. Very cool. Yeah. Hey, Ken, uh, I, I know we're getting kind of uh, to almost the end of our show, and uh, we want to do, we, we do have uh, John standing by with a question, but we also want to remind people about what else they can find on the Roddenberry Podcast Network. Uh, Ken, take it away. So many shows, so many man
1: uh, Yeah, it's mostly podcasts. Because it's a podcast (laughs) network, and that's what we do. Yeah, Yeah, uh, Normally, at this time, uh, we would be talking about the fact that uh, Priority One is doing their live thing later, but they're doing their live thing earlier now. So Tuesday nights, uh, a couple of hours before we start, actually, they're there. That's why we're not talking about them. But you can go to their uh, Facebook page and find out more there, which I believe is a uh, Priority One podcast. Uh, Facebook.com slash Priority One or Priority One Podcast, can't remember which. But the other shows, we've got like a full week of stuff for you. So, uh, so there's Mission Log live on Tuesday night. There's the Track Files on Tuesdays with Doctor Track, Larry Nemechek. Uh Thursday, of course, Mission Log drops this week. We are we're we're achieving equilibrium. Mm, we've so I achieved there. it. Yeah. Friday, of course, is when uh, Priority One, a Roddenberry Star Trek podcast. They're actually edited together and and put together as an actual show, as opposed to the recording part happens. And then uh, every other Sunday, I believe it is, is uh, Women at Warp, uh, which is uh, just a, a, well, a great show. Mm -hmm. And then uh, Daily. There is Daily Star Trek News, John. There is Daily Star Trek News in podcast form, and you'll never guess what it's called uh daily star trek news daily star trek news is what that's oh, called Monday. Now, yeah Allison pitt going out finding all kinds of uh, uh, star trek news and 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 bringing it to you then plus she also previews what's coming up on the uh, roddenberry podcast network every week she does trivia don't 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 you get upset john no, I'm, also- I'm
0: holding back i'm holding back with every fiber of my being
1: Fantastic show. We would love it if everybody checked that one out. That is the newest addition to the Roddenberry Podcast Network, and we're really happy. So find all of those on iTunes. Find all of those on Overcast. Find all of those on Stitcher, I believe, or find them all in one place, podcast.roddenberry.com. That is podcast.roddenberry.com for everything the Roddenberry Podcast Network has to offer. And uh, yeah, if you do that, that'd be great.
0: Yeah. Hey, so uh, we have a caller. We have uh, John just has a quick question. Different John than me. Other John. Other John, how's it
3: going? Hey, guys. How you doing? Hey, Hey. uh, it's John. uh, John, you're letting me down, man. We have this opportunity (laughs) right here to talk about Star Trek and comics. Yes. And the last little bit of the conversation was on crossovers. And you didn't take this opportunity to pitch our uh, Star Trek, the animated series meets the Harlem Globetrotters story.
0: Oh uh, well, what, what, Ken. Yeah, no, Ken mentioned it. Ken, Ken said, "You know, Harlem Globetrotters on the yeah. bridge of the Enterprise." Oh, did I miss that? Yeah, yeah,
3: yeah. Because yeah, 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 you know, I've talked about that. You know, I've talked about that with Dayton. Yeah. actually, and I really think we could get something going because uh, yeah. uh, I, for one, just want to see it happen in any format possible.
0: <laughs> well, th- think about how many terrible nineteen seventies animated series there were. And you could really fit any of the I remember there was an episode, or was it all the episodes of the Jackson Five cartoon where they had a robot? And they have like a little robot pal. Or is that just on one episode? I'm gonna see that guy on the bridge of the enterprise. Um, you have uh, the Brady Kids and their short-lived animated series that could be a crossover. God, about the Brady Bunch cartoon. Yeah, sorry, I just had to drop that one. Right. If you remember that one, um, yeah, there, there's so many. Look, you could do a live-action Star Trek crossover with the far-out space nuts. Don't don't get me. Oh scared. my God! See what you've done, okay? <laughs> Well, I mean, we haven't
3: gone completely off the rails. I'm not advocating for, like, you know, the enterprise trips over HR puff and stuff or anything, but...
0: I, you just did, you know. <laughs> you just did. No, now now no. we have to do it. I mean, you know, yeah. <laughs> I'll send you the paperwork. <laughs> That's
1: fantastic. He's making deals left, right, and center on Mission Log Live. That's no, we need
0: Yeah, CBS is going to, have to, be back to, have, to have to vet this before it goes
1: out, so... <laughs> <laughs> hey, thank you very much for calling in tonight, John. We, we, you thanks, know,
0: always a pleasure, man. thanks, man. We'll see you soon. <laughs> thanks, Bye.
1: Bye. All right. So we've just got about a minute, a minute and a half left here, Chase. Um, obviously your local comic book shop is a great place to find comic books, but let's say somebody's local comic book shop is also Kroger, or let's say, you know, they don't have a good comic book shop near them uh, for people who want to get deeper into all the stuff we've been talking about tonight. And then some, uh, not to be all apply about it, but is there an app for that? I mean, is Comixology the way to go? What are the best ways for people? Like somebody is like, I, I, I just want that right now. Yeah. Uh, how would people um, go about it? Comixology
2: is good. IDW actually has
1: its own app. There is the IDW
2: app available in the App Store. And you can not only find great licenses like Star Trek, but we do Ninja Turtles. We do, um, you know, for the kids, we do Milo Pony. We do our Marvel Action. The, the whole world of IDW can exist on your phone and I want to say they're, they're doing a version for the Nintendo switch for some reason. I don't, I don't quite understand it. Okay. (laughs) There's an IDW app. Uh, so that's pretty cool. And yeah, comiXology is a good way. Um, also, I mean, in terms of collections, like, like not just comic stores, but, but any sort of bookstore, um, should be able to order you graphic novels or you can buy anything you want directly through our website or, you know, of course, Amazon is everywhere, but I like, uh, I like brick and mortar places myself because I'm threatened by computers.
1: <laughs> I think that's just a
2: bad, bad dream right now. Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah, I think I think that's just a bad dream. Actually, uh, two too quick much questions. science
2: questions. I know what they can do.
1: <laughs> yeah, uh, two quick questions. Are you going to be at uh, Comic Con? Yes. And are you going to be at STLV? Oh yes, fantastic. We'll have Excellent. to. Uh, we'll have to hook up with you at one of those two places, or maybe both. By the I way, like we're that. having a meetup at SDCC. You should come. Yeah. Up.
0: All right. There You go. Chase, Kent, thank you enough for joining us. Let's do this again, okay? Yeah, this was a lot of fun. Thanks for having me on. Take care. Mission Log Live is produced by Roddenberry Entertainment. Executive producer, Rod Roddenberry. Technical production on Mission Log, killing it every week, is Earl Green, our technical director. Be sure to visit podcast.roddenberry.com for the latest from the Roddenberry Podcast Network, including not just Mission Log, but also Women at War, Priority One, The Trek Files, and your new daily Star Trek news. If you'd like to support Mission Log directly, give us a look at patreon.com slash mission log, including early access videos for your weekly mission log thanks to everyone who joined us live or later and we will talk to you next week podcast.roddenberry.com the roddenberry podcast network